0: Welcome back to Esports Report. It's episode five, and I hope you all are having a better start to your week than Tim the Tapman is. We have a packed agenda for you today. Uh, we're going to start with an interview with uh, world champion Colgar. We're going to recap some of the Valorant roster moves, some big names moving not just within the Valorant scene, but between the CS and Valorant scene. And we've got some more cdl news to go over so we got a packed agenda skis uh you've recently come back from colorado uh how is your labor day weekend going uh
1: it was good it was good had a little fam, well family business to take care of out there uh had a proposal going on so uh weekend was good um i'm excited for this week's podcast with colgar uh he's a World champion, like you said, two-time national champion in multiple FPS titles, combat arms and black squad, uh, ex-CEO of Righteous Dawn Gaming, and now he is uh, pursuing content creating. So uh, I'm very uh, excited for this interview, and uh, yeah, so I- I'm really excited for this week's podcast. Awesome. And with
0: that, uh, Colgar, well welcome to the podcast, and thanks for being here.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So... Kogar, you really made a name for yourself in a game called Combat Arms with Righteous Dawn, a team that you were uh, co-CEO of, or or, excuse me, CEO of. Can you talk about esports at what was basically the root of esports, the rise of esports being a viable, legitimate thing, and what that looked like?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, at that time, um, had been, a been around, it just wasn't really popular at that time. I mean, at that, at the point that I started, you know, Halo was kind of, you know, in its glory days with Walshy and and T squared, you had counter-strike 1.6 with Fnatic and those teams, but it was still kind of grassroots a little bit. Um, the, the tournaments were relatively small. Uh, I think, you know, the the time that i had was definitely um different than you would you would deal with today you know um the i don't it's it's hard to like explain how scuffed things were um you know the with the lack of terminal organizers or organizers wanting to elongate tournaments instead of having community cups like they do now like there's so many small money tournaments, whereas before they were trying to get as much content as they could out of these out of these uh these seasons and and games and things like that. So um I think that's kind of what grassroots esports was all about was just um these these long seasons and games that a lot of people hadn't heard of. Um and unfortunately I, I chose to be good at a game that was competitive competitively irrelevant. I mean I think Combat Arms was a huge game in and of itself, at the time, it kind of was the grandfather to the free, free to play FPS model. Um, but not a lot of people are competing, and uh, so yeah.
1: So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about with running an esports organization in in that time where esports kind of was just getting its start. Um, yeah, I mean, you see these big these big name organizations like names such as like FaZe Clan, 100 Thieves, even I mean we have Cloud9, OpTic. These names are so big. Uh at a time like that, I was I was my main question was kind of how how profitable could an esports organization be when you're competing at games that aren't necessarily they don't necessarily have as big of prize pools or aren't crowdfunded like you, like you have seen in halo and stuff like that. Like how can you, um, maybe talk about maybe hardships or running an org and keys to success possibly.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, at the time there weren't, there was next to no orgs that were actually profitable. Um, especially not any like small organizations like we were, um, I think with the, the main struggles were essentially just at, at that time you had to consistently place in tournaments that were that had a decent amount of viewership or uh, promotion in order to even get sponsors to talk to you. And a lot of a lot of the focal points for um, kind of like your your KPIs to get sponsors to even engage with you. Where we're kind of focused around websites. So, the website you see so many Twitter orgs nowadays where they just they don't even have a website, and it's like they they grow just based off social media. But at the time, it was very much like how many people are you driving to your website? How many clicks are you getting? Can we place ads on your website? Things like that. That's how you made money right. at the time. I was a little bit. Um, I was younger. I still had a, a kind of business oriented mind, but I was very inexperienced. So um, I it wasn't as profitable as it could have been. But I think we did a good job uh, doing what we could with uh, content creation, um, kind of at the start of content creation being a thing for esports organizations. Um, you know, in terms of profitability, it really wasn't i mean the the whole reason we were man- we were able to stay afloat for as long as we did was the contracts we had players um sign- signing essentially with every contract we did depending on the success of the team it was all like it was all trial period based so uh it would be you know 3 3 month trial period before there's some sort of monetary compensation now if there's um, if there was you know a, a team or or player that had done significant placings in tournaments and stuff, they would obviously uh, get compensation early. But you know at that time there was so much turnover in esports in, in terms of players, like people just deciding that they didn't want to, um, you know pursue esports anymore, or even just like really inconsistent placings. Oftentimes the reason we had people sign these contracts or not because we were like trying to save money. It's because we didn't want to invest in a team when ultimately within the three month period, they would disband. I mean, that happened uh, dozens of times, you know, we signed some team that, you know, placed well in ESEA premier. And then, you know, they would just fold within three months, whether it's internal team struggles or, you know what have you so that's kind of what kept us afloat but if you're talking about profitability especially during that time i mean the only people that were big enough were like the phase clans or not right. actually wasn't around then. fanatic and complexity and things like that
1: right and i think you bring up a good point uh social media has come so far since uh the time where you guys were competing in these tournaments like 2008 2009 uh that time period um so it's very interesting to hear what you have to say about the trial periods in your contracts when you're trying to sign these players and stuff like that. Um, so I think I think it speaks volume to how far we've come in the not only social media space, but just being able to put your name out in front of people in esports and people actually grabbing on and supporting these games, uh, tournaments, and these prize pools and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think if it's really interesting the stark contrast between what esports was then and what esports has become. You watch, you know, Valorant Champions, you see a stage that is remarkable and you have interactions with the game and the stage when something happens in the game and then it also happens on the stage with like their Brimstone finisher, but there's a larger point here that esports and games and microtransactions kind of go together and help each other you see that specifically with valorant with their skin sets that they sold and 50 percent of the profits went directly to the players participating in champions but then also in halo where orgs are getting their own skins and some of that money goes back to the orgs and that helps support the org that's helped grow the game and created interest for a player base for halo um you had a different experience with Combat Arms. Combat Arms, if I'm not mistaken, had a kind of pay-to-win structure that the professionals had a had a gentleman's agreement to not use those pay-to-win items. Am I getting this all correct?
2: Yeah. So it wasn't even a gentleman's agreement. It was a strict rule set followed, or that was implemented by the league that we were playing with, uh, or or playing in. Um, Yeah, so the the problem we had, and and by the way, this kind of goes back to, you know, what I was, you know, kind of my intro, you know, one time world champion, a world champion, (laughs) our world championship was significantly less impressive than you would hear from like, you know, the Valorant world champion, not only just the game size and prize pool, but just how little the game developer cared about the competitive scene and things like that. And that was kind of based on what you're talking about. So I remember when combat arms came up, they had this big banner on the front of their website that said, we will never release pay to win skins. All skins will just be cosmetic and they're just there for looks. We just want people to be able to, you know, change the look of their weapon around and enjoy it. And within three months, they released a weapon called the M416 CQBR. And it was the most broken pay-to-win gun you could ever purchase, and they made a killing off of that. All the people that were casually playing, because the competitive scene wasn't huge, uh, you know, they were buying it in droves, and so they they took immediately took that banner off and started just pumping out pay-to-win weapons. Now, when it came time to actually, you know, running these tournaments, we had an organizer called the World Online Gaming League, which ended up being pretty prestigious in Smite and in Alliance of Valiant Arms. But they, uh, essentially, they went to Nexon who created uh, Combat Arms and said, hey, we're having these, these championships, um, you know, people all over the world are competing in them. Would you be able to help us with prize pool? And they said, why would we ever assist you with a prize pool when we make all of our money off of people buying these weapons and you ban the weapons in your game? And so, I mean, years went by and they didn't, didn't support the game, and then finally uh, they got... Woggle got them to agree to one tournament that was hosted. And get this, this is hilarious. They hosted one tournament called the Death March tournament, and the whole point was to like kind of have a relaxed rule set that included all the pay-to-win stuff, but it was equal for everyone. And so they had a this character called a specialist, and essentially you could do these scans that were essentially wall hacks, and if you rotated... <laughs> If you rotated f- between five players, you could know where everyone is at all times. Oh, my goodness. It was... And so, if people wanted to spend, you know, $50 to win this tournament, they would. And and to be fair, the people who won the tournament were Virtu, insanely skilled players that all went on to do great things in esports. Trick 2G, I'm sure you've heard of him, mm-hmm. League of Legends, All-Star. You got TP, who ended up becoming, you know, 20-kajillion time Call of Duty World Champion. Like, so those players were all good in their own right. But, you know, the, our team, which ended up placing second, we, we didn't spend any money. We just used what we had. I actually, maybe one or two people had spent money. But their entire team forked out the 50 bucks, got the specialists, got the wall hacks, and, uh, you know, ended up winning the thing. So that was the kind of problems that you, you dealt with with these tournaments. And, you know, when, as I mentioned with the whole world championship thing, world championship is used lightly everyone in the world was able to participate um it was mainly north american players but we had players from europe and australia and things like that that played as well and it was not a LAN because the tournament organizers did not want to pay for that and uh we had all sorts of problems with it uh in terms of like timings and connection issues and yada yada and the prize pool was three thousand dollars so you know if you can Imagine, like, a world championship in Valorant is what? What did they pay for the last VCT? Like, 500k Yeah,
0: 500k to the the winning team, I believe. I'll have to fact-check myself on that, but...
2: But, you know, obviously, you can't compare combat arms in Valorant, and especially not because of the time periods, but even still, you'd think that a world, a quote-unquote world championship in any title would get you more than that. And keep in mind, that's split across players. It's not even, like, per person.
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah, insanity.
2: I I think you can. I don't.
1: I know you're trying to play down the whole world champion thing, but I don't think you can take that away uh, from you necessarily. Because I mean, at the time, esports was just getting started, right? I mean, we don't we don't see those prize pools back then. N- no game was really forking out the money to push these games because they don't. I mean, esports in general wasn't necessarily a big thing. And now you have all these platforms like Twitch, YouTube streaming, all these things to get games out there to the to viewers, and then these people are picking up these games and playing them and trying to be competitive at them because they see the money that's in it. I mean, you were you were in a time period where you were trying to be a groundbreaker for uh, these games. Like if without these tournaments that were for the world champion having a three thousand dollar Prize. I mean, we wouldn't have these games that we have today with five hundred thousand dollar prizes for the world, quote unquote world champion. Um, so I, I don't think you can take that away from yourself. I think that's pretty special that you guys uh, had the chance to do that. Um, w- one other question that I did have uh, with your with your um, righteous dawn. Uh, organization um some some of the notable players that you might have run into or played with uh, at the time uh i just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the people that you ran into and what gaming and the um uh, what's the word i'm trying to think of here um you know, I don't. I don't even know what I'm trying to think of. I just lost what I was. My train of thought. But what are some of the? Who are some of the notable players that you played with and got to meet throughout your time with Righteous Dawn and other orgs?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the starting days in Combat Arms, there was quite a few. As I mentioned, TP Trick Two G, uh, Trick and I were, did not get along, but he was just kind of he was like a content machine back at that point when content was still kind of small so he was he was that guy that was just trying to piss everybody off so you know it's whatever um but tp um got along pretty pretty well with him he ended up moving on doing great stuff in call of duty um haven't talked to him in a long time i don't i know he i've been in his chat before and talked to him and he remembers who i am but it's not like we're really good friends or anything um we had a player on righteous dawn called named anomaly who ended up playing professional counter-strike he played for enemy yeah, sports um, had a had a brief stint in the pro- professional NA scene. Uh, we also had Calf on our team, who was like now a four time CS:GO like female world champion. Um, She's signed, I think. Oh, I don't want to mess up the arc. Maybe EG right now, and in, uh, in CS:GO or Valorant. I don't remember which one it is. Um, we had quite a few um different StarCraft players that did some cool stuff. Uh, particularly Ray Rain. He. He plays pretty well at MLG Anaheim in 2015. And he ended up becoming like top 500 Overwatch competing in that. He actually went to the Poland Invitational for Apex Legends. um, And he for, I don't remember what org he's on, Halo Halo Klein or something like that. Um, So that was pretty cool uh, to see them kind of progress and do that. And then, you know, most recently I've been playing Black Squad and I've met a lot of great you know awesome friends of mine through black squad that have done great things mm-hmm. um Flya is you know a professional valorant player he's played for t1 academy he's currently on teal seam and he's going to get signed to some org soon um Ninja, who's one of the biggest content creators in the world um he's a good friend of mine from black squad and then i had a lot of eu friends because it was a pretty eu dominated game um we had Polvi, who's currently on Ten Star, which is like a top twenty team in the world. Um, Night Void. I mean, there's like there's so many people that are doing like impressive things right now that it's it's hard to name all of them. But it, it's honestly been such a wild and awesome ride. Um, you know, I honestly the reason I'm kind of pursuing content creation right now is just because I enjoyed creating content with those guys so much that. I don't know. It's just it's just fun. It's just it's like a fun hobby for me now. Right,
0: and you know, I will speak to that quickly. Um, I have consumed a lot of your content over the last few weeks, and it is excellent stuff. Can you tell listeners where they can find your stuff at?
2: Yeah, so uh, I have a YouTube channel. Pretty much, it's Colgar everywhere. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. You just search Colgar. It's there. Two hours, yeah, 2 hours. There's there's like five different sub channels. I have like a Minecraft channel cuz I enjoy doing that casually and I have like a Minecraft clips channel and fun, stuff. Man. Yeah, Minecraft. I I used to talk a lot of crap about Minecraft and then I a buddy of mine convinced me to play it and I ended up playing like 38 hours over 2 days. It was it was rough. Um Yeah. And then uh, you know, pretty much every social media, Instagram, TikTok, hover Twitter, all Colgar. um, and then Twitch is Kolgar as well. Awesome. Well,
1: Kolgar, thank
2: you
0: for stopping by, and we we very much appreciate the insight into how esports were back then. And maybe we can have you back on in the future to talk about some stuff.
1: Yeah, guys, one thanks quick, for having me. One quick thing before you go, I just I wanna I wanna ask because I don't know the story behind it.
2: How did you get your nickname, God of War? Oh, uh, so it was kind of, it was kind of something that someone casually said as like a joke. And then I, I kind of, I kind of like latched onto it like, guys, you should continue with that. I really like that nickname. Um, I, I played a warrior in world of Warcraft, which is actually where I got my name. Um, it was like a random name generator and I stole it from my brother. Um, and then it was kind of like the whole me joining the army thing and, uh, a mixture of like my you know clutch potential that i had and all this kind of stuff a buddy of mine named patriot called me the god of war and i was like dude sick with that that's a sick nickname i want to keep going with that that's awesome well I, I
1: do appreciate you uh carving out some time in your day to talk to us and uh thank you so much for giving us a little insight to what it's like being in professional esports
2: yeah hey guys thanks for having me
1: until next time
0: All right. Well, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff happening back then, and one thing that stuck out to me, Skis, was how a game can compete basically with their own eSport. They the model now is the two have to work together for either of them to be successful, and the model back right. then was not that. So, um, excellent of Colgar to stop by and shed some light on that.
1: Skis, we got please. to see, um, please go. Oh. Yeah, this is all me, baby. I'm, I'm hopping in, taking control. Dive in. <laughs> uh, so one thing, I want to kind of skip to COD real quick because we're talking about how the competitive side and the content creation side n- need to work together. Let's do it. Okay. Call of Duty is doing a terrible job at it right <laughs> yes, now. Yes, they are. I think we can all agree. We that can. This is a <laughs> terrible year for Call of Duty, right? Um, so it just came out today. Well, yesterday I guess Lottie comes on and tweets out she will not be casting anything for Call of Duty League this year. Okay, she she sends that tweet out. Merc and Maven are playing together. Merc says, "You know what? If it keeps going like this, unless something magical happens, Merc and Maven will not be casting Call of Duty League this year." That can't happen. So that that cannot happen. Actually. In my opinion, it can happen. If any Call of Duty League people are listening, send me a contract, and I'll be in Dallas in two weeks. Okay? I'll be there. Time me up. I'll cast. I, now, okay, I would cool, watch color. the CDL
0: with uh, with Skis, but I'll tell you what. If it's anybody but Skis, Merc, or Maven, Merc and Maven are not just the best Call of Duty casters in the world. They are two of the best casters of any esport in the world. And if Call of Duty loses them because of mismanagement, that is a disaster.
1: It absolutely is, and the thing is, like, you're losing three of the staple names in Call of Duty, right? Lottie, Merc, and Maven—they've been there for forever. Like, I don't remember l- watching COD and not having them cast. It's uh, it's truly a detriment to the CDL with them leaving. And uh, I don't, Call of Duty is just going downhill so fast. And I don't, I think this year could be. A, Very big detriment to them in the competitive scene, Uh, but like I said, send me a contract. I'll sign the dotted line right now. I don't care. I'll sit there and I'll say, "Hey, we're on board with Scump." Oh, he's dead. Oh, we're on board with Shotzi, Oh, oh, he's dead. You know, because I mean, the game is the game's not in a good place, and when the game's not in a good place, our casters are going to leave. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen from there? Yeah, how
0: are they going to cast this squad spawning and? You know, the insane TTK, and... We're missing another point here. I mean, this is the second straight season, Skis, that there will not be snipers or smokes in a major Tier 1 esport, if -hmm, we can call it that anymore.
1: And the thing is, what I was listening to with the pro players, right, they said that they had to GA snipers in order to get smokes. How does... That doesn't make sense to me. They had to the GA snipers so that they would listen to put smokes in.
0: Does that Does have that anything kind of... to do with aim assist through smoke? Or do we know anything about that? Because last year, the the smoke thing was that aim assist in smokes was amplified. Which, why would you do that? It defeats the whole purpose of a tactical item in the game.
1: Exactly. But... I, I really don't know. I mean, I can understand why... Smokes might not be in the game just because, from a viewer perspective, like we can see players through smokes, right? But they can't. So I can I can see where smokes could be an issue,s but I don't understand snipers because the snipers in this game aren't even broken. I like, I'd actually said you the have opposite. To have to kill you. No, uh, oh okay, I, I'd that's say, fine. I, no, I'd say you the can, opposite
0: can, that they are they are agree. no no I'm agreeing with you entirely. I'm saying that Uh-oh. snipers are broken in that they're unusable
1: yes no the ads sway
0: and the hit punch it it really makes them unusable the only way that you can use a sniper and and this is the way it would be used in a cdl is you'd have to be posted on a lane for long periods of time like an op would be in in call of duty or valorant it's the only Mm -hmm. way it can work you're getting one shot off and then you're disengaging and you're you're relocating because if you get hit by one bullet the hit punch is going to make it so you can't hit a shot um Right. So, yeah, I don't understand it.
1: I think Call of Duty is going in the wrong direction this year, and it's very sad to see because I know with our previous guest, Colgar, he doesn't care about Call of Duty, which is perfectly fine, whatever. Have your own opinion, (laughs) right? But uh, I think Call of Duty is one of the more uh, casual, like a, a more casual audience can watch Call of Duty and have fun watching competitive COD. And I think if we lose Call of Duty as being one of the most watched competitive games, then we're going to start seeing a downhill projection for other games as well, uh, just because people are going to simply lose interest. I think this so, is a I
0: mean, this is a uh, turning point year for Call of Duty in more than one way, it's not not least of which is that they've just come off a terrible year. Um, but Call of Duty for me and and... Maybe I'm wrong, but this was the console controller player's eSport when Halo kind of faded from relevancy. This and Halo Mm -hmm. were what the casual weekend warrior gamers could have as their eSport, where Counter-Strike and League of Legends and Dota and Smite, these were gamers' games. These are people that are sitting in their basement for 14 hours a day, you know, Sweating from their eyes, you know, reading the insider information on you know, who Vitality is going to get to be their fifth player in their academy. You know, <laughs> where where those games were, that Call of Duty was, all right, let's kick it and watch, you know, the CDL on YouTube. We've got the grand final going on. It, it, it's it's a more casual esport, but it's for a, a wider range of people, and that's what made it great.
1: Yeah. But Halo's um... back. <laughs> so halo is halo's back and halo has been killing it in my opinion they're doing a great job uh wh- one quick thing about Call of duty before we switch uh boston their um uh, their roster uh, methods nero t j haley and capsule uh their scrims have been going great yeah they're gonna beat and a lot I of teams they have a really good chance this year um even with how we showed our um, well we didn't show, but we talked about the preseason rankings. They were 10th, I believe, out of 12. Uh, I think they've done nothing but skyrocket the past week with their scrims going the way that they have been. Um, they've been playing really well. they' they've, be, they've been beating 100 thieves, they beat um, who else did they beat? They beat the gorillas, they beat rocker in their scrims I think they're going to be really good this year and I think they're a very very fun team to watch in the scrims at least and I think they'll be fun uh on lands as well I think they're going to have a really really impressive year for it being their first year
0: yeah I agree with you I'm excited to you know see what Boston Breach can bring to the table um with that skis let's talk about the CDL kickoff classic and I I want to get some predictions from you uh we have a bracket that's come out for the Kickoff Classic on the 21st is going to be kind of the play-in games the <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to harp on the things that Call of Duty is doing wrong. I do this in my personal life and in my streaming life with the games that I play because a lot of my friends play Call of Duty and I feel like I've just been very critical of Call of Duty. <laughs> but another thing that they're not quite doing right is that in their Kickoff Classic four teams are getting by rounds
1: well and we see this this is an issue because we only have 12 yeah. teams uh like i we were saying in a previous episode i forget which episode it was we only have 12 teams It's you can't run a you can't run a proper bracket that way Yeah, it's a joke um so we have the top four teams getting buys top four <laughs> teams from last year i should say getting buys in the kickoff classic um you know we have i mean this tournament starts friday uh we have some good matchups in for friday we have we have boston breach versus the new york subliners that's i mean that's a marquee matchup boston takes we that have, one don't they in my opinion yes uh but then again i haven't really seen much on new york with clay and Krim. i haven't seen much reports on scrims or anything with them uh so i think I think that's going to be a game to watch for Friday. Uh, the other games aren't necessarily, they don't interest me as much. I mean, we have the Ravens versus the surge, which could be a battle of bad in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, that's the overarching thing is we don't have 16 teams to run a proper bracket and it's going to be, I mean, it's just going to be the same thing over and over every year if we don't have more teams. Yeah, and so I have a couple matchups circled.
0: Um, Saturday, I think Thieves runs over Legion, and I think that Thieves has had, well, they obviously weren't in the CDL two years ago, and they they had an up-and-down year, I would call it, last year. Um, But optimism coming out of Thieves' camp from our also from our resident Call of Duty expert skis. Uh, There's optimism surrounding thieves. I've got uh, their matchup with Optics circled. I think that is a game that will really give us some clarity to let us know, are the 100 thieves, or excuse me, LA thieves in this case, um, are they ready for it? Can they compete with the best teams in the league? And even if they don't win the the match, can they be competitive? And the other one that I have circled is... Um Sunday. Sunday the twenty third. I FaZe Clan's gonna get past Seattle or London. We we they might as well just yeah, give, them give them a bye yeah. into Sunday. Um the but the semifinal matchup with it'll either be Rocker or Boston in my opinion. I'm not sure who mm-hmm. that will be. But I think um that matchup there, Atlanta phase versus Rocker or Breach, is going to be a good one to watch and also kind of a, a litmus test for Phase Clan. We get to see, have these guys grown or have they gotten complacent?
1: Right. And I will say, even though we don't have 16 teams for a normal bracket, uh, the one thing CDL did with this kick- kickoff classic <laughs> that is optimistic for me, at least, is they put FaZe uh, and Optic in opposite sides of the bracket, which gives them a chance to play in the finals, which is what everybody wants to see. So that that's one thing that is optimistic out of this 12 team bracket but um yeah I think think they're going in the wrong direction still S- especially I mean we don't even know who's going to cast it's ridiculous um but I think I think the rocker and most likely breach series could be really good um that that's going to be Boston Breach's biggest probably their biggest uh challenge in this weekend's tournament um i don't know i'm interested to see what happens and kind of get a little bit of ground like a little bit of ground knowledge as to where this year is going to go okay so i want Um, two things
0: out of you skis i need i need a winner and i need you to give me an upset
1: a winner and upset let me bring up the bracket real quick i just closed it out um I'm going to go... Winner, I'm going to go with FaZe. The f- okay? They have the easier Winter, side I'm of the bracket. Go... They... I don't know if they do, necessarily, because Optic's side of the bracket is kind of lacking. Because, I mean, we have... One second. Sorry.
0: They're going to have to play Thieves. They're going to have to play Ultra or gorillas. I look at See, that compared to Seattle and I and oh. Rocker or Breach. Just doesn't look the same to
1: me. Um where is this bracket? There's the bracket. So they have the only test that I think Optic has is Ultra. And that's just because they had a really strong showing at the end of last season. Uh Thieves, I think Optic rolls Thieves, in my opinion. Thieves has thieves has an upside this year but they haven't been playing well together as of late in scrims i don't know if that will translate into this weekend necessarily because they just did start um scrimming control this week so uh controls control scrims have been going kind of 50 50 phase has lost a few to boston and uh so that was interesting to see but I think Optic take, takes care of Thieves, so I'm putting Optic's semifinals. The upset that I think that we could possibly see, that I would be very excited to see, is Boston Breach over Rocker. Um, And I, I think that's just because Boston's a very new team, right? And... Nobody really knows their strats, and I don't know if Rocker is going to be ready for that. So I think we're going to have a Phase and Boston semifinal, uh, and then I think we're going to have an Optic and Ultra semifinal. So I think, I mean, it'll be interesting for sure. With that being said, let's translate over to Valorant really quickly. I know you have the Cardinals game to get to. Um,
0: <laughs> One thing before we transition, I am going to make okay. a bold prediction. I think that uh, Los Angeles Guerrillas beats Ultra in the quarterfinals. Okay. Um, but that's all that's, I've got for you.
1: I mean, that's a, that's a very good, bold prediction, in my opinion. We'll see what happens.
0: I mean, uh, yes, lots so, of Valorant news
1: with valorant you the first thing on your list is nitro is going back to cs
0: yep and that is official and I, this has been the worst kept secret in tactical shooters That's what i'll call it i'll call it the tactical shooter space this is the worst kept secret this has been kind of known since before christmas but it is official um the team liquid roster now with nitro is gonna be really good this is uh Stacking up to be a NA team to watch this season. You have Jonathan uh I always butcher his last name. It's Alige. Elige who is has to be the best NA Valorant player at the moment. Um he carries a, a one point oh nine rating. He's gonna be paired with NAF, OC, and Shocks. Um the Canadian. It. You look up and down the roster, there's no holes. Um, I wonder what this means. This is the first major CS player that's come to Valorant that we've seen swing back uh, to CS. And this was only after a year. And Nitro had a really interesting tenure at 100 Thieves. He was playing kind of controller- um, a more more passive character is a more passive style under Steel's IGL leadership and Nitro is very cerebral himself and an IGL so he wasn't IGLing at that time he was playing controller he switches over to Duelist when Steel gets benched because of some off the field issues and starts IGLing as an entry player um, so he wasn't igl'ing on the characters that he should, could be igl'ing on, and then he was igl'ing on a character that most people don't igl' on. Um,
1: right, just because you're in the game and then out of the game as a duelist, right? Yeah. You're trying to entry frag and stuff like that. I'm not so sure that's we. That's very s- interesting. I'm not sure we saw the
0: best of what we could have from Nitro and Valorant, and I'm sad to see him go. I don't think this has any greater implications to na valorant um i don't think this means na valorant is dying or that people actively are looking to go back to cs besides just this one-off occasion in fact we we see more people coming over from cs and we'll get to that in a moment i don't think there's any larger implication
1: so there might not be larger implications for na valorant as a whole but what does this mean for the roster of 100 Thieves?
0: Big announcement. Um, more breaking news from your favorite eSports podcast. This happened about four hours ago. Um, also pretty badly kept secret. Um, Baby J and Eccles have joined 100 Thieves. And Baby J comes over from FaZe Clan. We talked about him potentially being an addition uh, in the last episode. And I think it's a good addition. Baby J is gonna play a Sentinel for this roster. He's played Sentinel in the past. He's a very good cipher player. Um this roster needs that and I think that's he is an important addition and addition, excuse me, and a stable one at that. Um Eccles is more exciting, I guess I could say. Eccles is coming over. Um Eccles is a is British. He is coming over from Who's his most recent? He's coming from CS. I don't know who he was playing for last, but he played. He's played for big teams like Fnatic in CS. He is a big, big time fragger in CS, and he's 21 years old. So, not only is he a big CS name with a gunny, he's also only 21. um This is the signing that is to straight complement Asuna's fragging. Asuna is going to create echo space. Eccles is going to understand what he needs to do with that. And he's going to kind of play that flex role that's going to support Asuna. Um, Asuna will always be on the Jeter Reyna. If they need a second duelist, that's going to be Eccles. If they need a second initiator, that's going to be Eccles. I think you're going to see Ethan kind of move from Sky over to more of a controller. Maybe an Astra, maybe Omen. We've seen him on Omen before. Astra is the meta, but Ethan is going to transition into that controller role. Eko will stay on sovo most maps. Maybe play some Sky, um, and yeah, I, this roster is rounded out very, very well coming into the first qualifier.
1: So, so it sounds like uh, our our favorite golfer over there at 100 Thieves is uh, not just sitting around twirling his thumbs, and he he knows what he's doing. He does
0: know what he's doing. Uh, Adam Eccles is a a splash signing, I would say, for Na Valorant.
1: That's good um so you have on the list is it pony pony yeah pony and seven joined t1 yeah
0: the this is round out their roster um you know we'll have to wait and see with t1 Mm -hmm. i said this kind of last week um i don't know about steel at this point in his career i don't know if he's good enough in-game i know i have no doubts about his in-game leadership I think maybe he's more suited for a coaching role on a major team, kind of like uh, Raucus has done. Um, but Pony is <laughs> is the addition that I said last week he needed. This is uh, a fragger. He is, he's going to play Jet, probably on every map. Um, maybe a little bit of Raze on Bind, and a big addition. Big addition to T1, and some support for Curry, who's also going to probably play some duelists, and Seven, I think we'll we'll end up seeing him on controller Sentinel, maybe kind of a flex between the two of those. Um Seven's a really good young player. This is this is a roster built for Steel. This is what Steel did when he got banned after the I Buy Power scandal. Um He found young talent and he cultivated it. So this is his happy place. I think that T one is going to be better than they were last year. How could they not be? They've been a burning dumpster fire since and a Valorant Inception. Um, So it's an interesting roster to watch, and I will definitely be tuning in soon. They're in the Knights Arena tournament, and I believe they have a a game coming up soon. So I'll probably end up watching that in the next couple of days, and we'll
1: report back next week on on what they look like. Good. Um, So... So we have NA qualifiers coming up, is that correct?
0: Yes, so uh, EU, excuse me, EMEA, um, Oceania, and Asia have all started. Um, Really interesting, because the way that Riot integrates patches and new characters and map changes into the VCT is two weeks that's it it's two weeks Mm -hmm. if it's released two weeks before the start of the tournament then it's in the tournament game yep um so emea asia and Oceania are not playing with neon or the breeze changes that were so good um the bind changes on short a not in the game Totally fine. Chamber's in. He's been out for a while. Um, I haven't kind of peeked in. I haven't seen a lot of Chamber. I watched a a Vitality Guild matchup for a spot in the qualifiers, and I didn't see Chamber, which I thought was interesting. Um, But Chamber is in there, but no Neon, no map changes. And A, on the other hand, starts on the 23rd, which means you have Neon, you have Chamber, and you have all the map changes. And that comes, it will be exactly two weeks after launch when... They will be playing with these characters and i've been listening to some other podcasts and you know reading some stuff and people are kind of upset that neon's going to be in the game so soon after inception and my thought is you don't have to play her if you don't have enough time to feel comfortable with her you don't have to play her and she's certainly not a broken agent i don't think she's even c-tier as an agent
1: right uh, and that brings up a good point when we were playing We were talking about how she might not even be an agent that people pick, just because. I mean, she's so loud, right? (laughs) She is. She is insanely loud, and you can't. I mean, you can't lurk with her. You could. I mean, you could entry frag with her, maybe. Maybe if if you're there's better entry fraggers at the moment. Right. I mean, we we, you have Jet and you have reyna and Reze to create so,
0: space. I just I don't see where she fits in the current competitive comp. Right. Um I think that one you might see one, one question go for it. Go ahead, sorry.
1: Um I'm cutting you off, go for it.
0: I think the one thing you might see is kind of a a team that doesn't fancy their chances too much, kind of a gimmicky thrown together team, not maybe an uh, a tier three team that's in these qualifiers. Throw in a neon pick. As like a gimmick where they have built around Neon's kit, some strats, some mm-hmm. specific executes that they're going to try like, and catch people off. Exactly. Road, right. That I think that's yeah. her only use at the moment.
1: And, and that makes sense. Uh So one, one question I have, since we have like EU, EMEA, all these other regions not playing with these changes in the game, what does that do for the future? like future tournaments with Valorant um going forward where these these teams aren't getting uh reps with these new changes and NA teams are. What what does that mean for the I think this is a one off. Um
0: I think that most of the time the qualifiers all start at the same time and I believe the reason for the delay here is because of COVID stuff. Um, okay. So I yeah, typically all the qualifiers are all, like, in the same week. They all start at the same time. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a major issue. I just think that, I mean, and obviously these teams aren't playing in a tournament that's going to then culminate in a tournament against each other. So it really doesn't have that many implications. I think that Riot just has to pay a little more attention because it's, from a viewership perspective, it seems a little it's confusing and it's a little sloppy.
1: Right. If you don't know what, it, what's going on and you're watching these two different qualifiers, like it could be a little confusing, I guess. Um, I think that's, I think that's it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that there, th- there's two very, very quick points that I want to make yeah. before we get off Valorant and kind of move on. Um, we mentioned that Pure R was going to probably get moved on from xset that has happened so again esports support coming through with your valor and information uh you heard it here first and then an interesting player hits the scene john qt who is uh kind of been Shazam's duo for a long time he's he's been a top 10 ranked player he is a sentinel he is very very intelligent he is also a very very good aimer he is gone professional and he joined uh ghost gaming's roster which was set yesterday so um that is a tier two team that i will be interested in and i think you guys if you see uh ghost gaming playing some qualifiers or playing in knights arena things like that tune into ghost gaming because they're going to be a fun watch and, and and check out what john qt is doing
1: well, there you have it. We got we got the information for Valorant. We got the detriment of Call of Duty League, <laughs> and we had an a great talk with Colgar. Uh, make sure you guys follow Colgar on YouTube. Subscribe, whatever. Follow him on Twitch at Colgar. Uh, other. Other things, if you need a job in the casting world, hit up the CDL. <laughs> CDL you're yes. Hit me up. I'll sign the dotted line. I'll be yes. there this weekend. You've got your okay. duo. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. Make sure you follow me at Lil Skeezer on Twitch and Twitter and all your great, lovely social medias. As for Andrew, he can tell you where you can find him.
0: Uh, Twitch.tv backslash MoneyMonzon. And uh make sure you follow turn notifications on we're on spotify we are on stitcher we're seeing consistent growth we love you guys thank you for listening to the streams it has been actually overwhelming the amount of growth that um we've seen in just the first month so we want to keep all this going tell one person that likes esports have them tune in smash the follow button um and then make sure you let us know any topics you'd like us to cover because we are here for you guys and.
1: Um, our twitter dms are open
0: twitter dms are open esports report at aol.com as well so um, until next week thank you guys and thank you skis. love you guys